Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in, as always, to the Total Coverage Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Warson, the former NFL linebacker, eight years in the National Football League, current analyst for not only SiriusXM NFL Radio, but also ESPN College Football. So football, football, yes, it's always about football. Uh, but today, we're going to always do what we do every single week, which is explore the hows and the whys behind the weekend's biggest results. Week number eight. I can't believe it. I feel like the season just started. We're already eight weeks in, but I can't wait. I want to preview a couple of things that I saw from last week, some big performances offensively, but I got one I saw defensively and special teams-wise. I can't wait to dive in uh, this week as well. You can find the Total Coverage Podcast wherever you find your podcast, right? SiriusXM app. You can go to Apple Podcasts. Look, you find, look for podcasts, type in Total Coverage. You'll see me. You'll see the heading. You'll see all the writing and the imagery that we've done. Make sure you rate, you subscribe, and I can't wait to hear from you. As always, you can reach me on Twitter uh, at Kirk Morrison at Instagram on Instagram at Kirk Morrison as well. Always love your feedback. Love your thoughts, man. Love you. Thank you for everybody who has been chiming in and giving me things to look at outside of what I normally keep my eye on. But uh, this week's show. I just want to talk about some things that I saw, Um, and it's always seems to be great performances by wide receivers. We'll have one who we've talked about a lot on this program, but each week you learn something different. So we'll get into who that guy is. But also we had a running back this week also making the cut. We'll talk a lot about what his performance did. And to me, I think something that um, a lot of people, you forget how good this guy is. Not me. I drafted him on fantasy. So I'll tell you more about him. But. I'm going to start this pod off this week, everybody, with just the start of Tua Tunga Vailoa, quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, against the Los Angeles Rams. And if you think about it, that was actually the game everybody wanted to see. It was all about Tua, the Dolphins, at three and three going into week number eight, ever having having a bye week, decided to make the change to Tua Tunga Vailoa, and everybody was saying, "Wow, what is it going to be like? Uh, Why they bench Ryan Fitzpatrick?" You know, he was, you know, led them to the record that they have now. Why would you put Tua in? Why would you do that? And I think a lot of people just said, maybe it's time. I mean, had Tua been healthy from the beginning, could he have been the starter for the Miami Dolphins? So a lot of people are just trying to figure it all out. And his first start would definitely give, I think, some validation to why maybe coach head coach Brian Flores made the change to Tua Tungavailoa over Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that's why it was sort of not necessarily the game of the week, but it was the game that you had your eye on. Because Tua, uh, the quarterback, Tonga Mailoa, he goes out and he's starting his first game against Aaron Donald, who this year to me is still the defensive player of the year. Um, I know Miles Garrett is kind of on his heels a little bit, but, you know, first play or first passing attempt, I, I can say, for Tua Tonga Mailoa, what happened? Uh, he had a face full of Aaron Donald. He was on his back, forced fumble, sack, all of that stuff. And yeah, that was probably Tua's welcome to the NFL moment. But what happened after that sack and what happened as the game went on is something that you kind of go away from Tua because it was the performance, not of Tua, not of his offense, but it was the performance of what people fail to remember sometimes that in the National Football League, it takes other phases of the game to play well. And in this case, the Miami Dolphins special teams units, their defense is what came to play, is what allowed this team to beat the Los Angeles Rams 
without necessarily a great performance from their young rookie quarterback. He didn't have to do much at all because the defense and special teams were doing everything for them. The Dolphins defense finished the game with two turnovers, right? And one touchdown on a fumble recovery that went uh, all the way to the house. But the special teams, they contributed their touchdowns as well, right? They had the field goal. I mean, sorry, they had a, a, a kick, a punt return for a touchdown, 88 yards. They also, uh, you know, forced a missed kick. They did so many things throughout the game that you can kind of say, if you get this type of performance every single week, what does it do for your quarterback? And so a lot of people were going to ask, you know, why would, you know, special teams and defense dominate a game like this? And I would say what some people fail to realize is that when you make a change in a certain area of a team, it kind of does something to a team. It really does. Like for the coach to have the belief to start Tua, if you're on defense, hey, fellas, we got a rookie quarterback out there today. We got to help him out. We got to give him a couple more opportunities. So now all of a sudden you, you bring a certain intensity each and every week. But I think your attention to detail, it picks up even more. Because now you're like, look, man, we got to get the young guys some, some opportunities, man. Let's give them some good field position. And the talk starts to, you know, permeate throughout the team, throughout the defense. You're talking about it all the time. Hey, man, let's create some turnovers today, fellas. Let's, let's strike at the ball. Let, let, let's be effective and, and give our guy a chance. Give him a shot, right? Because that that energy that you bring, you, you can sense that. And this is a team that's coming off of a bye week, beat the Jets prior to that 24-0. So, yeah, they've got the confidence. And that confidence you start to see, not just on the special teams, but well, I mean, not just on the defense, but the special teams. And so a lot of people sometimes will, will think of you, you know, in a situation like this, is it like, is it luck? Is it skill? Is it luck? Is it skill when you're talking about the way the special teams play or even the defense and some of the uh, plays that happened with them? And that definitely was not the case. This was all the, Miami Dolphins defense and special teams came to play. Brian Flores um, and his team had a game plan defensively. They wanted to disrupt Jared Goff. They sent pressure and they lined up six guys on the line of scrimmage pretty much every single play and forced the offensive line of the Rams to have to make a decision. The decision were you're going to block everybody up or what else you're going to let a couple guys free and hopefully that your quarterback can see who's the free guy and find the, the the outlet right the hot route the audible they did that the entire game and yet jared Goff just did not have a great game he could not see those outlet passes he could not see the pressure and that's why he was hit over and over when you see a defensive lineman get an interception like christian wilkins did in that game that tells you that your quarterback, and I'm talking about the Rams quarterback, he was fooled. He was fooled many times in this game because the pressure that was put on by the Miami Dolphins, it was not skill, it was effort, it was execution. And it was a team coming off of a bye week as well. So that's why you can kind of see some of those performances, right? Special teams, I mentioned just earlier about the defense saying, hey, we gotta make some plays, but also special teams wise, hey fellas, we gotta make a play. Let's create some short fields for our quarterback, whether it's kickoff return, which they actually did earlier in the game, or it's the punt return where they did take one for a touchdown. Those types of plays 
also are talked about in special teams rooms because you're saying, hey, man, let's give them a score. Let's give them a, a short field. It's complimentary play. And when you have all of that going for you, you get a lot of confidence. And then what happens? You get a quarterback that just has to just play his game. He doesn't have to be Superman. He doesn't have to get a touchdown on every single play. And that's what Tua did. No, he didn't have the gaudy numbers, right? He threw for less than 100 yards, right? He just had one touchdown thrown. But it was everybody else doing their part. It was everybody saying, hey, this is our identity for right now. And that's another thing, identity. Teams by now, week eight, yeah, as we go into week nine, yeah, you have an identity. Yeah, your, your identity to me is what helps you win games. When you're up, when you're down, it doesn't matter. Your identity is what you stick to. Are there still some teams trying to find their identity? Yes. But it seems that the ones who are who have either figured it out or each and every week they say, you know what, this is just what we do. Those tend to be the teams that are sitting at the top. And I'm thinking of right now Pittsburgh. Man, we've talked about them on this Total Coverage podcast. Yeah, they have an identity. Baltimore, Tennessee, Kansas City, right? Teams that have an identity, you know, the Seahawks, which I alluded to earlier. We'll get to a little bit later, one of their star players. But it's that identity. And that's the reason why that this Dolphins team looks so dominant against the Rams. Now, it's kind of the rest is up to them. And we'll see throughout the rest of the season. They've got an opportunity to win their division, right? They'll play the Patriots again. They'll play against the Buffalo Bills. They've got some games in front of them. But, man, you talk about the first start for a rookie quarterback and the performance they got on the opposite sides of the ball and on special teams. Honestly, man, you cannot you can't ask for anything better if you're a head coach. And I think that's something that you can build off of. But don't get it twisted. <laughs> Tua is going to have to make some plays, too, as well. He's going to have to make some plays. But if your defense and special teams playing like that, it does make things a lot. It makes life a lot easier. That's how winning is done. One of the big performances of week number eight in the National Football League goes to a guy who I drafted in my fantasy. And the reason why I drafted him was because I just knew that he was the type of player that is going to get the football a ton. All right. A ton this season. Had a nice little contract. So that was all, you know, situated and done. And now he could just go out there and play and be the running back that I've seen over the last couple of years when healthy. And this running back who plays for the Minnesota Vikings by the name of Dalvin Cook uh, is a guy that when he is healthy, to me, he's one of the best backs in the league, right? Because of what he's able to do, not just in between the tackles, but catching them all out of the backfield. He is a weapon. And this past weekend, he was a big part of why the Minnesota Vikings were able to go into Green Bay and take care of the Packers 28-22. He finished with 163 yards, 63, 163 yards on the ground, 63 yards uh, receiving, four total touchdowns on 33 touches. Now, 33 touches, that is a lot. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I was like, man, I want to get Dalvin because they're going to let him touch the ball a lot. I don't recommend the 33 touches, maybe probably a little bit, because remember he's coming off of injury and they're coming off a of bye week. So maybe you can extend that 33 touches, but man, him touching the ball that many times in a game, I just don't like to see running backs get worn down. I've seen it way too often. 
you know, you get the contract and then they kind of wear you down by giving you the ball so much, you know, two or three years. And all of a sudden, you know, he, he's uh, not not getting to the next contract or after a while they're drafting a new running back. But for Dalvin Cook, he's still extremely young, still, I think, a young pup. I call him a young puppy in the National Football League who finally got his big opportunity over the last couple of years. But it's because of his health. And this type of performance that he had uh, was one, and I want to give my shout out to my producer, Chris Tyler, for this, uh, the most amount of touchdowns ever scored by a Viking since Ahmad Rashad. So now we're talking about a guy who, who now is a touchdown weapon, is a threat, right? Four touchdowns in the game. Like, I mean, you just sniffed the end zone. Now, a lot of it was some, you know, close encounters, right? He had a couple one-yard touchdown runs, but then there was another one where he just made guys miss in the open field. Right, he caught the football, make a couple guys miss on in the screen game because he only had a two, uh, what is it, two receptions I believe, or three receptions, and one of them was a touchdown. It's because he knows how to make make guys miss, and I think why he was able to dominate this game, you know why? Like why of all games, why was he able to dominate? And I kind of went back just a little bit, and I thought, what's been something that the Green Bay Packers, if there's something that they could fix? What would it be? It'll be their rushing defense, right? Something that they just really haven't addressed this offseason like I thought they should. They need somebody in the middle. They need a stopgap guy who can help them out. And look, I go back to you know my, one of my lasting thoughts of the 2019 season for the Green Bay Packers was what? That game against San Francisco at San Francisco, the NFC Championship game, where I think Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw the ball for about the 30 minutes, I felt like because they just ran the ball and ran the ball and ran it against Green Bay. And that to me was kind of a blueprint that I thought teams would take to this year. And for the most part, some have, some haven't. But I think Minnesota reminded us about that, reminded us that this is what we are going to do because this is now what our identity is. I think they had paid Kirk Cousins, Minnesota did. Uh, you got an extension this offseason, right? After having the big contract, the guaranteed three years, I believe it was, uh, 84 million they extended that a couple years so a lot of people think that well if you got the quarterback and you're paying him this kind of money wow you, you gotta allow him to throw the ball more right you gotta allow him to get the ball down the field and let him toss it around 34 40 plus times a game that's that's that has not been working that's the reason why the vikings have a losing record so out of the bye week they looked at their offense they said wait what is our strength who are we I just talked about it early. What's what's our identity? Who tell me about our identity? Well, that identity was Dalvin Cook. And that identity was getting great push on the offensive line. And that's the reason why they were able to dominate. They didn't do anything cute. You know, they, they weren't like tricking you and, and dazzling you and reverses. They dominated the line of scrimmage. They pushed that Green Bay Packers defense backwards. And they had a running back who was hitting the hole, accelerating through the hole and getting five, six yards a clip. That to me is just understanding who you are as a football team. And you have a running back that can go out and do those types of things. He did that. They didn't need to establish a passing game for this one. Where some coaches will say, hey, well, we gotta start developing." why? If his ain't broke, don't fix it. They won a game 28-22 on the road against the Green Bay Packers. And Kirk Cousins threw the ball 14 times. 14. 
basically they 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 ran the ball twice as much as they passed the ball. So and they won on the road. You don't mean to tell me that that's something to build on? That that's an identity? Well, my only thing is, how much do you continue to give the ball to Dalvin Cook this much, right? Because I don't want to see him sort of wear down. Because when someone asks you, hey, what makes Dalvin Cook such a dangerous player? Like, well, why is he so dangerous? What makes him dangerous? Well, what makes him dangerous? First of all, number one, he's elusive. That means he's just so tough to bring down, especially in the open field. But then it's also the acceleration. When he sees the hole or sees an opening, he can go zero to 100 real quick, right? And then at the same time, the vision, seeing where the hole is before it even happens, being able to cut back. And that's what his game is all about. And that's the reason why he's a dangerous player. That's the reason why he's one of the better players. I just want him to stay healthy. 33 attempts per game in terms of rushing and passing together. I don't know if I want to keep up that, but definitely he needs to touch the ball between 20 to 25 times and utilize what I think that they found hopefully for the rest of the season is an identity in running the football and keeping Kirk Cousins sort of the game manager and not necessarily a guy who needs to go out and win you a game. This is how I win. It seems like every week I just need to go ahead and put a uh, call it Seahawks corner, right? Because we seem to talk about the Seahawks a lot. Um, we know that I am a big fan of Russell Wilson. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL over Patrick Mahomes. I've said it. I've put this on paper a long time ago. I believe he's the MVP. I will take Russell Wilson over Patrick Mahomes. Right. A lot of people will say, well, how could you? But I believe that Russell Wilson's showing you why this year. Okay. But I think he's also showing you that he's got some great weapons as well. And no one talks enough about their weapons. Because before it was, oh, man, it's let Russ cook. And what does he got out there? He doesn't have much. But this year, he's proven to show you that he's got a Tyler Lockett, who I mentioned before, came into the NFL as a special team sort of uh, trick gadget guy, right? He wasn't a more polished receiver. He didn't get taken because of his receiver. He got taken because he was, you know, a guy you could put the ball in his hands and he can help you out on special teams. DK Metcalf was not a wide, was not a number one wide receiver, right? In terms of when he got drafted, he barely got drafted in the second round. Teams passed him up. And yet this season, we've seen probably the best duo of receivers in the National Football League. Tell me right now who's playing at a higher level of any group of wide receivers right now. These two guys, right? Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. These two right now, you, you find me a better duo right now in the NFL. And you can't, right? You can't. Because these two guys are feeding off of each other. And they realize that some week is going to be you, some week is going to be me. But at the same time, they can't stop us both. And that's what I saw last week in a dominating performance by DK Metcalf again. Okay, but this time it was against a rival. It was a division rival, the San Francisco 49ers. Seahawks defeat the Niners, though, 37-27. But DK finished 12 catches, 161 yards, and two touchdowns. And people are going to be like, but, but... Why? Teams know they need to stop DK Metcalf. Why, why were they able to do this? Shouldn't they be, um, you know, trying to tr establish the run? But let's remember, Chris Carson is out, banged up. Rashad Penny hasn't played this season. You look at the, just the running backs for Seattle. They don't have much. And you got DJ Dallas, who started uh, last week at running back for him. They got Travis Homer. There wasn't much in the running game. 
So DK Metcalf actually has been an extension of the run game. And how is that? Well, if you notice, it says 12 catches, but I can take some of those catches away because I believe they're just outside zone run perimeter plays where he's lined up at wide receiver. Russell Wilson takes the snap, throws it to him quickly, and now it's like pretty much a run play to the outside, but he's got a receiver or two in front of him. And he turns what's a should be a no gain or one gain type of pass, throw and catch. And he turns that into a five, six, seven, eight yard game. They're not trying to take it all the way to the house. They're just another option of how you can run the football is actually getting it out to the best wide receiver on your team and let him turn a one yard game into a five, six yard game. That's some of the things that Seattle has figured out. Yeah, we don't have our running game. We get it, right? Brian Schottenheimer, their offensive coordinator, we know we don't have the guys yet that's stable of guys that consistently we feel comfortable with our game. But, you know, let's try to do something different where we can do these types of outside zone or run plays, but more so getting it to guys who we know can make things happen with the ball in their hands. DK and also Tyler Lockett. Now, they also have David Moore, the other receiver who no one talks about as well, who also has gotten involved over the last couple of weeks. So to me, I, I feel that when you watch them now, how much, I mean, who do you stop or who do you look at? Because Tyler Lockett can embarrass you. We've seen it, right? A couple of weeks ago against the Carolina, I mean, Arizona Cardinals. And then DK Metcalf can run by you as well. And you think about the last week was Tyler Lockett had the big game. DK, not necessarily his best play of the Cardinal game was one we talked about, which when he tracked Buda Baker down after an interception and forced a fumble. And everybody's like, well, you know, he didn't have the big game because he had a big game prior. So the Cardinals wanted to take him away, but it left Tyler Lockett one-on-one. And Tyler Lockett one-on-one, he got busy. And then this week, defense will say, well, we can't let Tyler Lockett get behind us. But you're going to go one-on-one on the outside with DK Metcalf? Hmm, still, I, I don't like those chances. And he proved again this week. That's why he was dominant. He got so many one-on-one opportunities on the outside. And if that's Russell Wilson, and this is something that I want to see. And I hope you guys can take a look at this as well when you watch it this time, when you see Seattle playing, okay? Sometimes I think it's also a chemistry thing now between Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. It may be just a subtle look, but I see that if a cornerback is playing off, is giving DK Metcalf five to eight yards of cushion because he's scared of getting ran by, DK breaks his route off to a comeback, a curl route, right? An outside breaking route or coming back at, at Russell and boom, the ball's right there. It's an easy pitch and catch, easy 10 yards, first down. But if a defensive back or corner is up close and tight, right there at the line of scrimmage, bump and run, it seems that DK just can look at Russell and know that they're going to run the fade route. They're going to run a deep ball. And we know Russell Wilson, one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. But that's something that I'm starting to watch. When I'm looking at this film like of the, of the weekend, I'm like, man, every time a guy was off, it was, okay, come back, curl, you know, out, everything. And then when it was one-on-one, it was <laughs> over there for a shot for a touchdown. Now, Emmanuel Mosley was a corner for San Francisco who had the 
the duty of trying to stop DK, but he actually got one away in which he, you know, man to man, but it was in the red zone. It wasn't in the middle of the field or on the opposite side of the field where DK can actually outrun you. So you may see more of that, but there's still no denying what DK did in terms of running, you know, corner off. He ran an in route at like five yards and turned with a five yard run into a 48 yard touchdown just because of his speed and elusiveness for a big man each and every week. Um, it's just unreal. And so I don't know where the Seattle go from here as they start to get healthy in their running game, because I think that's only going to even allow DK and Tyler, Greg Olson, the tight end to be better in these situations, because right now they're doing it without much of a run game. What happens when they do get the run game and Chris Carson is healthy and they have a couple of stable backs? Man, this is, could be one of the scariest teams, I think, in the NFL and I got another reason why I'll tell you. I think they're one of the scariest teams in the NFL in a couple minutes because I want to share with you some thoughts about the rest of the season and what just or what's transpiring now as we're taping Total Coverage Podcast this week. Um, because by the time this is over, everything is all set. What you got is what you got in terms of the NFL rosters because the trading deadline. Yes, we tape this show, Total Coverage, on Tuesdays. And right now... We're about a couple minutes away from the trade deadline finally happening, and it's over with. And teams are going to go with what they're going to what they've got for the rest of the season. Now, I was bringing that up about Seattle because they've got impact players, right? We mentioned it with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson. But then I was thinking about players who are going to make a big impact in the teams that they were traded to, because there are a lot of players. There's teams that look. They realize, hey, man, we've already lost six games or we've already lost seven or we haven't won a game at all. And those are the ones that tend to be sellers, right? They're going to sell. They're not necessarily buying. They're going to sell. You know, where it's Houston Texans, where it's, you know, New York Jets, uh, those types of teams. You see, we've even seen the Dallas Cowboys, you know, cut bait a little bit. But, you know, there's just some guys for me that, I think will have an immediate impact on where they will go and it will affect the way their teams play. And I was thinking, is it a receiver? Could it be a running back? Mm, not necessarily. From what I've seen is you need someone to affect the passer. You need pass rush. So for me, I think the guys who are going to have the biggest impact are guys who can go out and, and do some things defensively. And for Seattle, one of those guys will be Carlos Dunlap, the defensive end formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals. He goes from a Bengals team and now he's right now leading the NFC West with the Seattle Seahawks. I think he'll be huge because Seattle, they need a pass rush. They have not had a pass rush all season long. Remember, Javian Clowney did not resign with them. So they've been looking for a, a, a edge rusher. Could Carlos Dunlap be the missing piece that this defense may need to kind of get going? All right. In the second half of the season. So I think Carlos Dunlap will have a immediate impact when it comes to his role with the Seattle Seahawks. Now, another guy, I think, again, in the pass rush. Now, this happened a couple weeks back, but still, though, it's a trade. It happened. Yannick Ngakwe, right? Now, he's been traded twice this year. He goes from Jacksonville to Minnesota. And then now from Minnesota, he goes to the Baltimore Ravens. But he's going to make an immediate impact. 
they need an impact defensive end type pass rusher. They know what they have in their division. And the reason why I say it more so was because they lost. The Baltimore Ravens did to who? The Pittsburgh Steelers. They know they're going to have to affect Ben Roethlisberger if they want to win this division. They're going to play again, and they're going to hopefully have a chance to battle it out for that division title. But I think Yannick Ngakwe going to Baltimore is going to be huge and make another immediate impact because it's all about, I keep saying it, it's about pass rush. It's about pass rush. What else uh, I think can you even, you know, can you do in order to get that? Uh, and I think one, there was one, one last uh trade and, and it happened honestly again before the trade deadline i keep saying this because it kind of goes under the radar but for me i think there are impact trades marcus golden he you actually started with arizona then he was you know played in, in new york the last couple of years never really could find a role but he was traded back to arizona remember they're without chandler jones and they're looking for an immediate pass rush right they're, they're think about the arizona cardinals division Playing against the Seahawks. Well, they have the Seahawks one more time, but they've got the gets. They're going against the Rams twice. They're going to go against the 49ers. And now the 49ers are a little bit banged up, but still, you're going to need someone to affect the passers. So could Marcus Golden be another guy? So with the trade deadline, yeah. Is it, has it been sexy? Probably not. But to me, I think that it's some guys who can make immediate impacts on the teams that they're on and immediately can change, I think, the way that, you know, possibly these teams play defensively and find that role. Wow. Uh, week eight of the Total Coverage podcast has been great. I, I appreciate the time as always. You can find the Total Coverage podcast on the SiriusXM app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. Make sure to rate, to listen, always. And give me your thoughts. Um, you know, we did not have a guest today. And and the reason why we I think we did that was just because it, it's election day. And so we gave everybody off today to go out and vote. But next week, for sure, we'll be right back enrolling in our week nine edition of the Total Coverage Podcast. But again, I can't wait to hear from you at Kirk Morrison on Twitter, at Kirk Morrison on Instagram. Your thoughts Maybe some things that I miss, whatever it may be, man. Make sure you chime in, rate and subscribe, all of that. Can't wait to talk to you guys for the week nine edition. Once again, it's been total coverage with Kirk Morrison. Good football, y'all.